Welcome to Short Course, episode 78 for August 4th, 2022. I'm your host, Ben Barry. So, a little bit of a return to form here, back to a weekly podcast, at least uh, one a week from the last one. And a lot's happened in this week. As you can imagine, if you listen to episode 77, um, I was feeling, you know, pretty out of options, pretty, pretty helpless. And, you know, I recorded that, I posted it, and I just kept, I couldn't get it out of my head. And I kept thinking, and I kept thinking, and the idea kept popping up that I just, it was time to do it. It was time to run for Area 6. Um, I've been thinking about doing it for a while, but with the election only being every four years, I was definitely not in a position to, to run four years ago. And looking at it, looking at the timeline, I thought, yeah, okay, let's do this. Now, I went from basically making that decision on Saturday night to uh, turning around and trying to get a, a petition put together as quickly as I could. And so we ended up doing an online petition using one of these you know, services where you can fill out a form and use your finger on your phone or you know, draw with your mouse to, uh, to, to enter a signature. And we ended up getting about, uh, well, uh, exactly, uh, 117 signatures that we could submit. Uh, we had to remove some from uh, people that were not section uh, or not members of Area 6 and some that had signatures that were not acceptable. Um, but the, the bylaws only state you have to have 50 signatures, so 117 seemed like plenty. And the fact that I was able to get that in, in 24 hours, um, you know, it, it definitely told me, Hey, there's at least some, some demand for this. Uh, so I ended up submitting that and I actually just heard back today from headquarters that no, no, the petition does actually have to be on their particular, you know, uh, form. Now, what is interesting is in talking to uh, someone else who had run for office and he had gotten some signatures by posting the PDF and letting people either print it out and sign it and send him the picture or, you know, signing it on their, on their phone or, you know, on their computer, somehow adding in a, a signature digitally. And he just added each of those individual pages to the end of, of the PDF submission. And apparently that was, that was good enough, at least as of a year ago. Um, so that's, that's my plan. So I've, I will have, I have the PDF, uh, I've filled in my information, you know, my member number and, you know, the fact that yes, you are signing a petition for area six. Uh, and I will, I will have a paper copy with me this weekend at the Sir Walter USPSA match. Um, I don't know if I'll be shooting anything else this month, probably. Um, but I'll, I'll have a paper copy at matches with me until I get enough signatures, but I have also set up the I've created the PDF with my information as a, as a fillable form. So you can, if you so choose, and you're a member of area six, you can download the form and sign it and email it to me at Ben at barryshooting.com. And I will tack it in with my submission and I'll, I'll include as many signatures as I get. Um, so it is a, it is a fillable PDF. So you can just type in your name, your member number and your state. And if you have a, some kind of PDF editor. I know, I think the, I think preview on the Mac has a way to like capture your signature on the, 
on the trackpad and then you can insert that into documents. You can either do it that way or print it out, sign, you know, your individual sheet, take a picture and send it to me and, uh, and I'll process it and get it collated in. But so I'll be gathering the, the signatures in person, but if you feel so moved, uh, the PDF, the, the fillable PDF will be at barryshooting.com slash petition, P E T I T I O N. And if you want to download the PDF and sign it and, and send it back to me at Ben at I'd appreciate it. I am not especially worried about getting 50 signatures. Um, you know, just a matter of time and going to enough matches and whatnot. But I also, I like the idea that I actually have support from more than just people who live in my state or are within driving distance of me or know me because I've been shooting at the same four or five clubs for 10 years now. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a meaningless distinction, I suppose, but but there's something about the fact of, of having someone from most of, I didn't actually check if I had a signature from every single state in the, in the area, but a good healthy portion of them, more so than just North Carolina, South Carolina, it seems worth doing. So there's your option. Um, you can also look at the show notes for this episode and I'll have the link to the, to the petition and how to submit it in the, in the show notes. So as for what has been happening in the USPSA drama situation at large, um, to be totally honest, it's, it's, it's hard to keep up. Um, there I've, I see screenshots posted. Um, sometimes they're Instagram stories that obviously disappear after 24 hours. So it's, it's hard to go back and reference things unless you've taken screenshots. I've seen screenshots posted from various different private Facebook groups. So, um, apparently there's something going on in the MNDVC Minnesota USPSA private group. Um, and I'm not a member of that. And so I, I have, I have no idea what the area three director is saying to people. I see some screenshots taken out of context, but it's, it's not a good situation in the sense that people don't really know what to what to trust. Um, there is no sort of one consistent set of facts. Um, some people, even, even the list of people who are banned is not entirely clear. Um, from everything that I've seen, the ones that we know about are Ben Steger, uh, the guy behind practical shooting insights, Joe Rutkowski, who has some role. I, I don't, I don't know the specifics, but he has some role at infinity. Um, I mean, I know that there was some bad blood about Infinity pulling out of the match being hosted at Cameo when it was being hosted at Cameo. And now Infinity, who has been the back cover sponsor of Front Sight for as long as I've been a member, I think, um, they're, their advertising dollars are no longer welcome, which is it's pretty puzzling. I mean, we'll come back to this, but one of the main arguments behind, or at least that people are saying, this hasn't been in the suspension letters, but one of the things that people are throwing around is, well, it's the board's job to protect, you know, fiduciary duty of the, of the sport. And it's like, well, okay. Um, that's an argument. That's not why the suspension letters, the the two that I've seen posted publicly, that's not why the members were, you know, cited and and banned, but that's been an argument, you know, that, that, 
Steger and practical shooting insights and the general disrepute that they're bringing to the sport is driving people away. It's causing people to either not join or to to cancel their memberships. And so, you know, that's that's hurting USPSA's bottom line. And that's case closed justification for for banning, which does not really seem a doesn't seem like a correct understanding of the facts. And B, I, I think if USPSA if we set the precedent that USPSA can ban you for anything that costs them 30 cents, which I mean, to be fair, that's what they did to Ryan flowers, right? <laughs> they didn't ban Tony Cowden for cheating because he paid his fees. But when Ryan flowers didn't pay his fees on classifiers out with him now he's, he's back in now the obvious injustice of that was, was seen and reversed, but I mean, <laughs> there, there certainly is precedent for that. Um, so that's, uh, yeah, I, I don't really know what to say about that. But either way, if the board is all worried about fiduciary duty, you would think that they would be worried about losing one of their biggest sponsors for one of the biggest income sources. Well, not the biggest, uh, one of the significant income sources for the organization, which is advertising in front sight. Um, I don't know what the back page every month what they were paying for that but i have to imagine it's quite a bit um i've seen some of the advertising rates uh for putting ads for area director um and it's it's a lot so i mean they're they're definitely making a good chunk of change on infinity and obviously they were willing to sponsor nationals which is again also worth quite a bit so you know the the argument that Oh, the board's just looking out for, you know, the fiduciary health of the sport and also completely cutting off their nose despite their face with infinity is um, contradictory, in my opinion. Uh, the the other argument that's been given for that I've seen made online about, you know, why these bannings are appropriate is that the the harassment of members of the board and the employees of the organization is somehow uh, the board's duty to to act upon, which, I mean, I guess you could make that argument, but what these suspension letters, again, I've only seen two of them, but what they actually say the banning offense is, is bringing discredit to the corporation. And, I mean, to put it bluntly, that that's just not true. I don't think anybody has said that USPSA itself, as an organization, is bad or stupid or incompetent. But specific charges about specific decisions by the current president and board of directors have been criticized. And so if there's anything that's being done that is hurting the reputation of USPSA, it is, it is by them exposing the, the things that the board and the, uh, the board, the president, Jake Martin's director of media and events, the, the, the issues that they are causing is not what is exposing the problem is not creating the discredit. It's just bringing it to light. So the the whole thing just is is a total sham. It's a it's a house of cards. Um, the other thing that's I think obviously double talk is that the the claim has been floated a few places that well nobody's banned for life, and if they're actually telling you that, then they are lying to you or misleading you or just trying to to, to whip up drama and. I mean, like I said in, in, in last week's episode, 
what is the point of appealing a decision that has had a unanimous vote from the president and every area director? What what evidence could one of these people provide at a hearing to say, no, I actually don't deserve to be banned? I, I, I can't imagine it. I mean, unless this is some kind of bizarre power play just to make these guys come and grovel and beg to be let back in, which I can pretty squarely tell you is probably not going to happen. I mean, if, if this is a sort of game of, of chicken, um, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't see it going well for the board. Um, and then, you know, the other thing that, that I've seen pointed out is, you know, some people said, well, you know, Ben Steger, he doesn't really shoot USPSA matches anymore anyway. So why does he care about a suspension? And I mean, as best I can see, and you know, this is, this is in the US or this is in the IPSC rulebook. Um, to participate in the world shoot, which is supposed to be happening in November, I think, just a few months from now in Thailand, the the delayed and delayed and delayed 2020 world shoot that is now finally happening at the end of 2022. Uh, to participate in a world shoot, you have to be a member in good standing of your region. And currently he is not. And so, I mean, he's he is... For whatever else you can say about him, he won the 2017 World Shoot in production. He is the production world champion currently going into this match. And unless something happens between now and then, he will not be allowed by this gang of nine this gang of nine guys who decided to suspend him. He will not be allowed to represent the United States and defend that title. Um which seems pretty flippin' petty. Um the world shoots a big deal. You only someone in their career only gets to shoot a couple of them and only has a, a real shot at winning a couple of them. And so I just the, the idea that, yeah, I mean, maybe he doesn't shoot matches, but we're going to not send one of our best shooters who has previously won a world championship to this year's world championship just because of some some angry memes on the Internet. It, it just it's it is it is clearly this is not about the sport. This is not about testing excellence and allowing the best to 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 enter a fair competition and determine who is the winner. It is about this guy said mean things about us, and so he needs to be strung up. And and that's it. So we'll see. I, this this whole thing is still developing. Um, I, I don't. Uh, yeah, I, I have no idea what what is actually going to unfold. Um, but it is definitely interesting times. Um, the other thing that, that has come up this week is one of the changes to the bylaws. I believe it was a change. Tyler Turner had a post, uh, from late last year talking about the proposed bylaw changes and he called this out. So I'm, I am assuming from context that this was added in the bylaw changes passed earlier this year although I don't have a copy of the old bylaws to verify that. But regardless, the bylaws do now state that any member who is disciplined under bylaw 413, which is the bylaw that that involves this suspension, even if they are suspended and then reinstated, they are ineligible to run for a period of five years for board of, for a board seat or for president. Now, you know, people keep saying, oh, Steger, you should just run for president. I don't think that's ever going to happen. Um, uh, you know, the, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. But 
there is some discussion about some other people, um, one guy in particular who who may be interested in who was whose name was in the running to potentially run for a board seat. And the the fact that we are now seeing that this this bylaw four thirteen member suspension, which puzzlingly, you know, the way it was done uh, to Steger and PSI and Joe Rutkowski, the the way it was done where they actually took a full vote of the board is not required. The bylaws allow the president to issue a suspension letter on his own whim. And then it, if the, well, the, the old bylaws used to be that you definitely got a hearing. The new bylaws say, if you choose to challenge it, you get a hearing. But um, the way that, that it was done in the past, the way that the bylaws allow is the president can at any time for any reason issue a suspension letter. And at this point, if let's say one of those were to come my way, I would become ineligible for area six director, whether or not I, I was permanently booted out of the, the sport. Am I saying that they have any reason to suspend me? Maybe not. I mean, I haven't been particularly vocal in the past, but obviously I'm, I'm saying some not particularly friendly things on this podcast. Um, I would like to think that, that what I say is, is more measured and reasoned and, and based in at least publicly available data. Um, but, you know, everybody has a different style. But at, at any rate, if they look hard enough and squint their eyes, could they decide that I'm bringing the, uh, the, the corporation into disrepute, that I'm hurting the, the public reputation of the corporation? I hope not. I hope when I phrase my arguments, it's clear that these are specific decisions by specific people, not USPSA as a disembodied entity. Um, but who knows? This 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 suspension by law and it barring you from office is um, it was something that was that was put in the bylaws earlier this year by basically all the same people who are still on the board. The only person who's who's changed since then is uh, is Matt Hopkins, which, um, you know, that's that's a whole other story. But these guys wrote these bylaws and they put that line in there. And I think they knew exactly what it was going to be useful for. So. That is uh, that chicken is coming home to roost. But as for the the larger USPSA community, um, again, I mean it's it's so hard. So I, I since all of this happened, I haven't actually physically been to a match. I don't know that um, most people have, and so it's it's hard to really know what the what the actual feeling on the ground about all of this stuff is. With the, the obvious caveat that. I don't even know what fraction of USPSA members are even on Facebook or Instagram uh, to know that this is happening, right? USPSA has not issued any press release or announcement or email about these suspensions. So it's a there's a good chance that anybody who's not on social media just has no idea that this is even happening. But the conversation that I have been seeing on on social media basically revolves around two two common themes that people keep coming back to. Um, one is trying to starve the organization of revenue. So basically boycotting by either individuals dropping their membership or encouraging clubs to disaffiliate. And the other is this idea of either jumping ship to form a new sport or trying to get IPSC to declare USPSA not a, a basically lose their IPSC affiliation and open the door 
for somebody, it's it's not really stated who, but somebody to found a new Ipsic region in the US and try and run matches under it. Um, and I think all four of these things are are misguided for various reasons. Now, obviously, I'm I am an optimist, and I think that that the system can be reformed from within. That's why I'm running for the board. Um, if I didn't think that that was a viable approach, obviously, I wouldn't be doing it. So, my my personal approach is is to stay and to try and push back on things and to to fight where there are winnable battles. Um, certainly I think the, so there, there is a rule that was added in last year's bylaws, which I actually think is a good rule that you have to have been a member for a year leading up to, uh, the election to be able to vote in an election for, for a president or a board member, which basically lets, lets, it requires people to have some kind of skin in the game, some kind of delayed gratification to have registered and been a member for some period of time, not just, Oh, hey, I, I want to vote for this guy. Let me pay you know twenty five bucks for a year of an associate membership and you know vote for Jim Bob. So you know I, I think I think that is I think that is a, a good rule. And so you know if for nothing else, people in Area Six and Area Eight, where there are going to be area elections next year, should keep their memberships for that. And just in general, I I, I don't think that I don't think that honestly the organization is going to really miss the money. I mean, maybe maybe I'm, you know, too much of a of a pessimist, but even, you know, the the way the membership attrition has been going already, um I don't know that, you know, a bunch of social media people saying they're going to cancel their membership or or fail to renew um is really going to move that needle significantly. And even if it does, the board has basically shown that they're willing to run a deficit budget, uh raise dues on members, who knows what else what I'm getting at is I think this sort of, Oh, star of the beast, you know, cancel your membership. Um, it doesn't help. And you know, they'll, they'll do without the money. They'll figure out some way they'll dip into savings. USPSA has a bunch of money, uh, saved up in various, you know, investments and savings accounts and whatnot. And so I just, I, I don't think the only, the only thing that would really credibly threaten USPSA would be an IDPA level schism where, Something. I mean, I don't remember exactly how many founders. I think it was like six or eight guys. Uh, you know, Ken Hackathorn and Bill Wilson and a bunch of those guys that were, you know, Ipsic dudes in this in the '90s who said Ipsic has gotten to be too too much of a race gun. We're going to go found our own sport and take a bunch of clubs and members with us. And to be totally honest, I just I don't see that happening. Um, you know, there are a bunch of other sports out there. I've seen. PCSL mentioned a bunch. Uh, I've seen the the USSL. It's another one of these, you know, sort of attempts to try and and improve on the admitted shortcomings of of USPSA, especially in some of the multi gun areas. Um, but I just I don't see the the momentum behind something like that. I don't see a, a number of high level shooters, luminaries, thought leaders within the sport leading the charge to go to these other things. Um, and honestly, at the end of the day, I, I don't know that those other things would be a better sport than USPSA. I think, I think the actual rules in terms of being a fair playing field for determining the best shooters in the country or the world. Um, I'm not saying 
USPSA or IPSC is perfect, but hit factor is pretty darn good. The way we do fault lines, pretty darn good. The, 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 the trade-offs between what shooters are allowed to do and where the clear bright lines of what they're not allowed to do, they're pretty good. And I just, I don't see fracturing all that in 17 different directions, um, really helping. I mean, it, it might help you, you know, if you, if your club, if the two clubs you shoot at regularly disaffiliate and, you know, start running something else, then, I mean, maybe that solves your problem, but it doesn't actually fix the, the organizational problem. And, you know, by the same token, yes, we could, if we could snap our fingers tomorrow and USPSA was disaffiliated and no longer a, an IPSC region, you know, and we could found the the new American practical shooting, whatever, whatever, and take the IPSC rulebook. I mean, the, the trajectory to trying to get clubs to run matches, to get people to abide by IPSC equipment rules, which are noticeably stricter than than USPSA in almost every division to the point where it's not really practical to shoot both unless you really know what you're doing and are trying. Like USPSA people just don't have gear to shoot raw IPSC matches under current IPSC rules. It just, it, it, they don't. People have made a lot of permanent modifications to guns uh, or, you know, bought a lot of gear that just doesn't fit. And so... Yeah, I mean, I, I know what I said on the last episode that that turning the board around one seat at a time, getting some some voices at the table that actually represent competitors and not just revenue and maximizing membership and what's the most fun and let's have you know ten hit factor, thirty two round stages. Getting getting some board vo- some voices like that on the board, it's going to take years. But so would anything else that we're talking about. I mean, IDPA took a long time to to really form and, and become what it was. And they took a lot of USPSA members with them to the tune of five, ten thousand, something like that. Um, I wanna say, oh gosh, I wish I I wish I had written this down or, or had a better article about it, but they something like it wasn't until twenty sixteen ish, like in that time frame. It basically took twenty years for USPSA to get back to the number of members it had in nineteen ninety six before the schism. It was that much of a hit. Um, again, I wish I could find the source on that. Don't don't quote me on it, but the, I I believe that I have read that. Um, and and that's 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 pretty shocking. And again, that's a that's a shift on a level that I don't think we see support for right now. And to be totally honest, I think that's to USPSA's credit. I think the 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 schism at the during the the nineties where people wanted to shoot stock Glocks and third gen Smiths and Berettas and whatever, you know, more realistic carry guns and, and that sort of thing. Um, that was a much bigger, a much bigger rift at the time, because at the time there was only limited and open and limited was going all to, you know, major power factor, double stack 1911s with magwells. And there, there just wasn't a place for what we now have, which is, which is production. And even, you know, carry optics and production as, as gamed out as they've been, they're still more like actual carry guns than limited guns. But at, at any rate, I just, I don't see the, the groundswell for that kind of, that kind of split. And so, um, all I can say is the, the best path forward that I see is, is staying and reforming what we have and, it doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be me. Like I don't have any particular desire to 
dedicate large amounts of my time to, you know, whatever the, the duties of a board member are going to be. But at the end of the day, I just, I didn't see anybody else stepping up and, and throwing their hat in the ring. Anybody that I felt I could sort of credibly put stock in the same way that, that I think, and I hope that people will put stock in me, or at least appreciate that even when they disagree with me, that, that we both come from a, a place of wanting to make this, make the sport better. And perhaps we just have different, different values, um, different goals in mind, you know, maybe for some people actually trying to maximize participation is their goal. Okay. Like that's, there's, there's a middle ground to be struck there. I think being approachable for new shooters is important, making it so that we are a healthy growing organization is important, but just throwing the doors wide open and, and trying to get people to sign on the dotted line and shoot their first match at any cost is is obviously a, a short term strategy that will that will bite us in the long term. Period. So the last thing I wanted to talk about here is the question that that has come up from from various folks as they've seen the the petition or or my post about uh, wanting to run, and that's asking me, you know, what, what's his platform? Or, you know, what's your platform? And I, I'm actually hesitant to list a single, you know, set of bullet points because that would imply that those are the five or whatever most important things to me. And at the end of the day, I, I, I can't, I mean, obviously having people be banned for speech is the incident that, that kicked this all off. But if you've been listening to this podcast, if you've been reading my blog, if you've seen what I've been posting, you you can tell that there are a number of different areas that I think USPSA could be better or needs to be fixed. And I don't know which one of them is most urgent. I don't know which one of them potentially could actually be acted upon the soonest. Um, I mean, in theory, you know, even if I, so, you know, when, once my candidacy is active, even when the election happens next June, if there's not a runoff, there might be a runoff. If if a third person enters the election, I won't actually, my term wouldn't actually start until January 1st, 2024. So a little under a year and a half from now. So I, I, I mean, I can't really say what the, what the status of USPSA is going to be then. But I did go back through my archive and look at uh, blog posts and podcasts that I think if people are interested in at least getting a sense of what I think is important, where my values are, where my head is at. Um, these would be a good place to start because these are all things that I wrote and said before I, well, not before I ever thought about running for area director. I mean, I've, I've been toying with the idea for years, of course, but um, before it was really a, a serious option. And so, you know, these weren't things written to get votes. These were just me sort of trying to put what I thought was where the direction should go out, out into the world. Um, and so, you know, like I said, I've got four blog posts, um, one about staff reset, one about what USPSA nationals could be, one uh, called my recommendations to the incoming president of USPSA. So this is the night before the, the vote to eject fully, basically the, the things that I recommended that the new president come in and, uh, and do at that time. Some of them have been done since then, but most of them haven't. And then the, the fourth blog post is just called how good could a nationals live stream be? which is me just kind of trying to break down what makes a good live stream and, and why, you know, what could make it better. Um, and then obviously if you're listening to this, uh, as a podcast, well, if you're listening to it on YouTube, you can, 
Uh, follow the links in the description or go to my website to find out how to subscribe to the actual audio feed. Um, but a few episodes that, again, I think will just give you a sense of how I think about things. Episode 37 and 38, it's a two-parter uh, about the, the the rule changes that were part of the 2019 rulebook, um, most of which I, I have good things to say about. So it's not like I just am constantly tearing things down and saying this is terrible. I think that there, there are actually positive changes that can be made. Um, I think there are many, many positive changes that can be made, not just rolling things back and undoing past things. But, but anyway, uh, episode 42, how I would do nationals, which is basically the same content as that, uh, blog post about what nationals could be. And then episode 64 about the 2019 Carolina classic, where I talk about how we ran it. That also touches on staff reset, which is how we've run the North Carolina state match for, uh, close to a decade now, I think, or at least as long as I've been in the sport, which is, uh, 2013. Uh, and then episode 66 about the 2019 production nationals. So, um, I'll have links and and information about those in in the show notes here, but if you are interested, if you want to get a better sense of sort of what the issues that, that I've tried to raise both negative and positive over the years are, that's, that's a good place to start. Obviously I will be podcasting and, and writing more going forward. And so you'll get a chance to hear more about my thoughts on sort of the current state of USPSA and, and where we go from here uh, over the next year as the election gets closer. But if you happen to have time and you are curious what this Ben Barry guy is on about, that's uh, that's where I would start. And that's all I've got for today. If you want to talk about anything I talked about here on the podcast, my email is ben at barryshooting.com. Talk to you next time.